So, welcome to another podcast, uh, Tim Wendelbow Coffee Podcast. Today we are actually going to talk about our 15-year anniversary and what has been happening for the last 15 years in our store. And to do that, I have invited one of our first guests ever in the coffee shop, Mr. Anders Walde. Yes. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> You've been a customer for a long time? Yes, I was, uh, I was there on the first day. On the first day. On the first day. Before we start uh, digging into the... Uh, actual uh, talk about the store. Yeah, we have a little something for you. A okay. little little surprise. <laughs> <laughs> what can it be? <laughs> because not everyone know that Anders is the first world AeroPress champion. And when we created the world championship in uh, our store, um, we only had three competitors. And of course, it was the first time, so we didn't really have a trophy. I think I got. Five kilos of coffee, or three. Five kilos of coffee. But today, you're actually <laughs> getting a customized AeroPress. Wow. Saying, 2008 World AeroPress Championship, first place, Alan Adler. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Thank so you. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Do you, do you have anything to say to the AeroPress uh, audience, or Air, World AeroPress audience? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm very happy to get this, uh, and uh, it was uh, very cool to be part of the genesis, the first wave of the AeroPress the history. journey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is actually a usable one, so you can. If I you have an old I'm, one. I, I have I have an old one actually from that time. From the first one. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and you still use it? It's it's in uh, uh, I keep it in a flat in Budapest. <laughs> 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 it's very the plastic is. It's kind of brittle. It's like very um, worn out. Yeah, I think they changed the plastic. Yeah, uh, they did several yeah. times actually yeah. because yeah. of that. Yeah, but I, I thought I'd just keep it because it's cool. And now you have something for yourself. You can uh, keep tell your kids. Mantelpiece. One, <laughs> once upon a time, this was in uh, was it two thousand and eight? I don't remember. No, I don't remember either. Should stay on stay on the trophy, maybe, but it's <laughs> either way, it was. It uh, is two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was a hard battle. Three competitors. Yeah. You were one of them, and the two other ones were Lars Husa, who worked for us. Yeah. That moment. And Chris and Kolbe. Chris Kolbe, yes. Yeah. And I was judging. Yeah. And the whole competition was over in like five minutes. Yeah, I think it was. I think we did it twice. Yeah, maybe. Because I think we did like all three, and then there were just the two of us. Yeah. And then As we a did final. it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the recipe? I think it was, I think it was f uh, f uh, 14 grams of coffee on 200 grams of water. And then there was like a one minute um, brew time. So more or less the same recipe we use in the store every day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the best, world's best <laughs> AeroPress recipe. <laughs> I think there's been a lot of different, you know, people have tried a lot of, crazy stuff yeah um and I, i've tasted a few because i was actually judging uh, in, uh i don't remember in that maybe that was in 2012 i'm not sure but i i was a judge in um the swedish uh, aeropress championship yeah. at uh, copy yeah so i've tasted quite a lot of different 
ways of brewing on the AeroPress. But yeah, I still feel that the one that you're using and the one I used back then is pretty solid. Yeah, it's a pretty universal yeah. recipe. I feel the same. I've been judging many championships, and the more complicated the recipe, normally the worse it tastes. <laughs> so yeah, just maybe keep it's it very simple. That's yeah, and, and also I think uh, it's you need to do something that's easy to replicate. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Great. And uh, do you have to sign autographs and stuff when you walk around the streets of uh, Norway? I have to say the 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 world. Uh, Championship hasn't really done that much for me, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't promote it much either. <laughs> maybe if you go to a, a World AirPress Championship event, maybe you'll have to sign some autographs. Maybe, yeah. yeah. We should uh, maybe get an invitation or something for. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, I've, I'm I'm friends with uh, you know Jeff from uh, from Netherlands. Yeah. And he's actually at uh, AirPress Championship twice, I think. Yeah, two or three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's and I actually judged uh, at least one of them, and it tasted great. But he was yeah, uh, he's very good. Yeah, his recipe is also very nice, so you should check that out. Great, I think we're uh, done with the promotion of the AeroPress Championship now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a wild ride, but um, we have prepared some questions for you, and um, you know, this is just going to be a little loose conversation about yeah. uh, the last fifteen years. You've obviously been a store. You've been there almost every day. Uh, almost, I've, I, I think I've tasted almost all the coffees that's been in your shelves. I've been away from a few, uh, there was a f I, I was in Africa for a few months in 2006 but we weren't open then. No no but, yeah, it was <laughs> okay. So you didn't miss anything. I didn't miss, but I think I maybe I've been away for a few months. Yeah maybe. Uh, so I maybe I've something has slipped under the you know the radar but I, I yeah I I've tasted I must have tasted almost everything that you. So it's you and me. Probably. Maybe some other. There's another customer called Joachim who's been there yeah. almost from day one. Yeah. And he's almost every there, day there as well, drinking espresso. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite drink? Uh, I drink espresso every day, but I also like to brew coffee at home. Yeah. So I drink your coffee at home. But I, when I'm at the bar, I almost always drink espresso. And yeah. then maybe once every five months. I'll have a cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in the summer, I usually have um, the Alfredo. Yeah, that's, it, a, that's a good drink. But it's like enough with like once or twice. I yeah. don't really need it like all the time. You don't really taste the coffee in the same way as you do with the, with the black coffee or with the espresso. No. And for those of you who are listening who don't know what our cappuccino Alfredo is, it's cold cappuccino. So that means milk, a little bit of sugar and espresso. Yeah. whipped into like a foam yeah so it's very super nice texture yeah yeah i enjoy drinking a couple of those during summer and that's yeah. probably the only milk drink that i drink like i taste milk drinks but i don't drink them but uh, this is the only one that i actually drink yeah cool but uh we can, let's uh, start at the beginning and we're gonna dive into a lot of cappuccinos i guess and uh, there's one particular cappuccino <laughs> we're gonna talk about okay i think i know <laughs> what you mean <laughs> But uh, let's start at the beginning. So when we opened the store in 2007, uh, it was the last day of June. Yeah. I remember. Uh, and the first question to you was, uh, because I don't think I knew you that well before. So what made you go to our coffee shop in the first place? Well, back then I was a, I was a big uh, coffee nerd, like early coffee nerd. And I was, uh, I was friends with... Um, Charles uh, Nystrand, who worked at um, 
Java yeah. in Sankton 7. And uh, I think we just heard a lot about your store opening up. We were interested in, to check it out. He was actually, I think that was one of the last days he was in Oslo because he was moving back to Sweden then yeah. to start his own coffee uh, shop together with Anne. And uh, so we went there together, I remember. Yeah. And that was the first time I remember I met Tim Varney there also yeah. the first yeah. time. That was the first time I met Tim Varney. And, you know, we were good friends. You know, he was uh, the Toastmaster in my wedding. And, you know, he's, uh, yeah, we go Special guy. Yeah, special <laughs> guy. Yeah. We miss him. Yeah. So Tim Varney worked for us for uh, quite a long time, I think six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before he moved back to Australia, yeah, which uh, you know was a shame. He, yeah, I I think he kind of fell in love with the whole concept of coffee in the beginning, and then maybe fell out of love of it a little bit at the end. Well, um, no, I think he still uh, he he still continued uh, running the World Airpress Championship. I yeah, think that's for true. yeah, and then also he started. Uh, I don't remember he was working in different places in Melbourne. And then I think now he's uh, running his own coffee roastery. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know. I haven't talked to him in uh, I think, quite a while. I think, yeah, th- that's what I think he's doing. Yeah. But, you know, it's been COVID and yeah, I don't, I haven't talked to him for like maybe a year. Yeah. Yeah. Not me either. More than that, actually. Yeah. So do you remember the first day you came into us, to our store? Yeah. Yeah. What did you drink? I think I had the espresso, double espresso, I think. Yeah pretty sure i remember we had a lamarzoco fb80 machine yeah uh, custom made for us um they had two brew boilers <laughs> two group machine and uh, because this was quite rare uh it was actually programmed as if it was a four group machine so when i programmed the machine then i turned off group three and four obviously because they weren't four groups yeah and that actually turned off the second coffee boiler so during the first two hours of the store and i think you and charles were there yeah. uh one group had like 90 degrees and the other one had 50 degrees oh <laughs> and uh, i was so frustrated because i was standing there making espressos and one group was the it was pouring so much faster than the other mm. so i had to kind of change the grinder all the time and then i decided at one point just to you know try to figure out what was wrong and then I figured out okay the group is turned off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we probably served a quite sour espresso for uh, yeah at least half the people who ordered that was a bad start but I came back <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you got from the hot group <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> but it was uh, it was pretty cool but how did you make coffee at home back then you said you were a coffee geek I tried I tried a lot of stuff um, but I think it was mostly it was Aeropress and maybe the Chemex. Oh yeah, and French press. Yeah, yeah. And you're still doing that, or? Yeah. Now I most of the time I use uh, the V60. Yeah. I feel it's easy to consistency and and also I use the Aeropress from time to time, but the V60 is it's easier with to get you know more volume. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I yeah. mean. Uh, that's normally what I use when I'm at Finca Tavana, for instance. Yeah. We don't have a coffee brewer there, but at home I just use a coffee brewer. Yeah, and I, and I have no, you know, I started out with, you know, trying, I, I even at one point I owned a uh, Lamarsocco. Yeah. Two group. Two espresso, group machine. Two group espresso machine. But uh, yeah, I'm like, I, now I've, I just have a good grinder. And yeah. That's it. Yeah. What kind of grinder do you have? I have an old Ditting, actually. Like a 14 uh, something? 14. 
140 millimeter, isn't it? It's a big one. It's a big one. It's yeah. the same as in your in your bar. Yeah. So the that's same. 140 millimeter meter burst. That's pretty. Yeah, it's it's big, and it's you know it's, <laughs> it's maybe I run 40, 50 grams through it a day. Yeah. Yeah. So those bursts are gonna last you a lifetime. Yeah, yeah a long time. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty sweet setup. Uh, do you remember, like, when you came into the store the first day there, or like the first period? Do you ha- what, do you have any memories or impressions from uh, that time, or how it, was the coffee? I I don't think it's hard to remember the flavors in the in the sense that I think your coffee was a lot more lighter and acidic than most places. Yeah, but it's it's difficult to because you have this you know, gradually improvement of stuff. So it's hard to say how I felt it was back then, but I thought it was very interesting. And, and uh, you did some kind of cool stuff in the beginning. I remember you had the black wick. Yeah, that's true. That was quite early. And that, it, it was kind of funny and you didn't have sugar. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people was really annoyed. Yeah. Like they turned around and left and and I was like a hardcore coffee geek back then, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, <laughs> that you were. The funny thing is, like, people still remember that, yeah. and uh, still today, people contact us and ask us if we serve milk, because they've heard about this. Yeah, and we just had—I think we had it twice during the last fifteen years, and it was just in the first years. I mean, we didn't really have that many customers, so uh, we had Black Week <laughs> yeah. twice, which yeah. mean, meant only black coffee and espresso, yeah. no, no milk, no milk, no sugar. Yeah. And we still get, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it's uh, it was it was different, you know. Um, but I think we have to say that in Oslo we're very spoiled with a lot of good places to drink coffee. Yeah. So I think if you opened an, in another place, I think it maybe would cause in a you know a bigger you know stir, I yeah. guess, because uh, the, the the coffee culture in Oslo, you can go to a lot of places and get, I would say very very high quality yeah yeah, for sure that's like that's one of the reasons why we had black week was because we were buying pretty good green coffee back then we still are but uh we bought some coffees at coffee auctions like couple excellence and we felt that uh we wanted to you know show people what you know how coffee could taste like yeah funny that you say that we were acidic and light because when i look at the numbers because i've been measuring color from day one and when i look at the numbers and also from memory we were our espresso was quite light yeah but our filter coffee was actually pretty dark okay and uh especially compared to today and i remember a specific um moment where we started uh roasting lighter and uh, this was in early 2008 we had a guy that you know joseph brodsky who came uh he worked for 90 plus so he had yeah, just started yeah, yeah, 90 yeah. plus yeah yeah and he brought samples from uh, Ethiopia, naturals. Yeah, I, re- uh, I remember. Yeah, that was stro- full strawberry. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, it, it was, was just like, uh, yeah, it really blew our minds like completely. Yeah, yeah. and um, it, this was the Arich, famous Aricha naturals. Yeah. yeah, we bought a little bit, and then but the thing is, he was in Norway for like a week, and then uh, he had a cupping in our store he, with only his coffees, and they were amazing. Just pure strawberry juice. And then uh, he brought some coffees to Solbergen Hansen. I, I was at that. Uh, uh, that's where I met. I, I, you know, he was working with a guy called Glenn Boyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not, you know, we've, that, that's where we met at the. Oh, that's and true. We're, you know, we've been best friends for 15 years. Wow. <laughs> Small world. Yeah. 
But um, I remember we he 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 went to Solbergenhausen to have a cupping, I think, and he invited more people. Yeah, they had like an old school cupping table there and stuff, and he asked me to bring my Ethiopian coffee. Yeah, that we were roasting at the time, and uh, we did a blind cupping, and um, there was only one coffee that was terrible at that table, and it happened to be the one that we had roasted, and yeah. it was it was terrible because not because it was a bad coffee, but because it was just so dark roasted. Mm. And that's that blew my mind, mm. and I thought, you know, we need to really think about how we're roasting. So he's actually the the person who changed the way we roast filter coffee, mm. also espresso coffee, but uh, more so the filter coffee. And I remember we were competing in Nordic Roaster that same year with that Ethiopian, and we won. I mm. mean, I remember people were writing "tastes like strawberry bubble gum." And yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, we competed the next year. We also won. And then the, I think the year after that, so like two, three years after, people started catching up on the light yeah. roast. Yeah. But I remember those Nordic roaster competitions. You could just see on the color of the coffee, which was mine. Yeah. It was so easy to spot. Yeah, that, that is actually one of the, the richer. It's one of the coffees that I so vividly remember. Yeah. And I also remember we... Before we started recording, we talked a little bit about geisha, and I remember one time there was a there was a tasting in your store, and I remember uh, Robert Tourisen yeah. from Kaffa brought Kaffa. Uh, um, a geisha, yeah. and it just blew my mind. Yeah, and like w- was it the Esmeralda? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I remember that tasting. Yeah, that was, but that's a long time ago. Yeah, that's like ten years ago at least, I think. But, but that's also like back then, other coffees that were available were maybe not as good quality. It was pretty difficult to get. I mean, there were not that many importers around importing high quality coffee. And uh, so small roasters either had to buy from like slightly bigger importers uh, or they could buy through auction like Cup of Excellence. And uh, we we did get some really good quality coffees there. But uh, that geisha was just, you know, levels yeah. levels above. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, and I think it's also. I think a lot of the coffees now, like the Kenyans and all this stuff, it's the quality control is much higher. Yeah, the storing is better. The the shipment, it's all vacuum packed. Back then, it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, so I think the di- the the difference between it's they kind of closed the gap a little bit now. Yeah, for between, sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like. I remember 2007 when we opened. Uh, the only coffees that I could access as a small roaster was through Solberg and Hansen. Yeah. And they were part owner in the company back then. So I was fortunate to be able to kind of pick and choose from their warehouse. And they had like, you know, maybe a hundred different lots in there. So I picked some couple of excellence coffee, some Kenyans. But um, looking back at it now, uh, even the coffees we were buying from Nascimento, for instance, the, the farm. That we're still buying from, but the the quality today is you know way beyond what we yeah. bought in two thousand and eight from that same farm. Yeah, and that's just because we've been working you know gradually with the farmer to improve processing, picking, drying, fertilizing, mm. weed control without uh, you know herbicides, planting trees, storage is better, drying is better, yeah. shipments probably. Uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, I think for sure our roasting has become a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> Partly because we have changed the roasting machine, yeah. uh, but also because we we have more experience, I guess. Yeah, I have a little bit of experience with your roasting machine. <laughs> yeah, actually. that's true. You worked as a roaster in our store. Yeah, for like six months. How did you find that? 
<laughs> stressful. <laughs> it was a it was a very good time. Uh, you know, I, I was working there. There was a lot of good people working there back then. Yeah, and it is now as well. But I, was, you know, it was I was there with. I, it was I think it was uh, Stefanida and Tim Varney, and it was just a very. I just loved working there. And I, to be honest, I thought working in the bar for me because I, I did some shifts in the bar yeah. regularly. I thought that was the that was the best thing. I really love that. I, you know, I'm a pretty social guy. Yeah, and I also like. It was a great opportunity to be there and present the coffee and working with a product that you really, really, you know it's 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 excellent yeah. and you can show it to, to to new people, getting new customers in. There's a lot of tourists and like just you know showing them the way into yeah. this uh, fantastic world of of, yeah. of high quality coffee. I thought that was good. You know, when I when I was roasting there for you, it was uh, we were in the coffee. In the store, yeah. roasting, and you had to carry up all this coffee from this tiny, tiny basement. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> you had to, when I started, there wasn't even we couldn't even log the. You had to log everything manually yeah, every we, minute. We used the Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, and I had to log every all the every minute. I had to log the temperatures. Yeah, so it was it was super stressful. Yeah, uh, and if if you had a miss roast, something went bad. You had to between the when you took out the coffee you know you had to get the temperature up again yeah so they had to run down and weigh up another batch in of the basement, green coffee yeah. in this tiny it was just like oh it was just <laughs> it was super stressful it's then, much better now yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> and also we don't really have that many miss roasts anymore yeah. uh, because the roaster we have now is more consistent and it's placed in a place where you know back in the days when we opened the door in the winter the yeah. roaster will just suck in all this yeah, cold ice air. cold air, <laughs> and uh, that was not the greatest, I think. But um, I actually worked in the bar on our 15-year anniversary yeah. and, the, and the day after. Yeah. And uh, just like you said, one of the best things is to present the coffees to people. Yeah. And of course, now in the cafe we have more seatings and we don't have the roaster there. And uh, I think that's one of the most fun part. Uh, to do, and I actually miss it, but I just don't have time to stand behind a counter. Yeah, I understand. It's fun. It's you were there, but you were you were there in the beginning, but not very much. No, I mean I was in the store every day, yeah. but not yeah. behind a counter. Yeah. yeah. So maybe like uh, I think the first year I had maybe two or three shifts a week. Yeah. Uh, but I worked, you know, every single day. I didn't really have any weekends off no, or anything. But I think also in the beginning, the whole vibe in the coffee store. It was more like it was a little more hardcore because you had almost no seating. Yeah. You had the roaster there, yeah. and uh, later on you installed, you know, more things. You build up the 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 bag where you yeah, the packing machine. The packing machine. So it was like full on, you know. It was like the noise from the roaster. Yeah. It was like the flushing and the packing machine making all this. It was it was not a for for most people coming to a coffee shop to just relax and have a cup of coffee <laughs> it wasn't the perfect uh, environment no so you had to really love the coffee to go there yeah i i was i so well remember because we moved in 2018 to yeah. our new production facility where we're now and uh, i remember the last two three years i was just so embarrassed when i had customers in the store because it was so noisy and not messy but just so stressful 
it, it wasn't nice for anyone. It wasn't nice for us or for the customer. Ubering the, yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the tray where the coffee comes, so you have to hoover it when you've done roasting. And that just, it was all these air holes. Yeah, yeah. And it was like this sound. It was just like so high pitched. It was almost <laughs> unbearable to be in there. But, uh, I think yeah. most customers don't miss having the roaster no, there. No, I don't. I don't miss it. No, I think it served its its purpose. Like back in two thousand seven, the only shop roaster that I knew of in Norway was at uh, Muka. Yeah, which uh, yeah. All, they also took it out after a while and uh, formed Kaffa Roastery. But um, the market was not that well educated. No, I think it has an educational role when you do it. They see that you're actually roasting the coffee yeah. locally and doing everything. It's more transparent, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Today, most people who visit us know that we're roasting, uh, but not everyone. And um, But I would say like the market today is much more educated. Yeah. Um, I, I can stand in the store and talk to a lot of customers who know sometimes much more than me about grinders and you yeah. know, brewing recipes and yeah. stuff, which is fascinating. People spend, you know, five, six, seven thousand dollars on a grinder yeah. easily, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, but uh, they're that's what they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, uh, but I, I, th- I think that's normal. When you when you start, it's not normal to spend that amount of money, but it's normal to become a little obsessed with gear when, you, especially for guys, I think when yeah. you start, you know, getting interested in a hobby. And I think it's in, it's it's funny to see that now for me. I have a good grinder, but apart from that, I don't use any time on equipment. No, and but you used to, like you said, a you lot, had like a I used to a lot. But I kind of like realized the, the most important thing, because now I've, I don't have as much. I have kids, and I don't have as much time to spend on this hobby. Let's say, but yeah. I'm, you know, so what I can do, I can spend time on enjoying the coffee and trying to taste different, you know, yeah. coffees. That's you, what, and you buy good coffees. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically it. <laughs> you know, eighty percent of the job is done yeah. if you start with good beans. I just had a training with a new staff last week, and uh, you know, I was trying to make some really bad brews. Yeah, they still kind of liked it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because when you start with pretty good beans, like if yeah. you have a really good Kenyan, it's kind of yeah, it can be a little bit thin or a little bit strong or something like that. But they still enjoy the coffee. If you have a if you have a bad grinder, it's tough to get good results. If you have very unstable grinds, I would say. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. That's true. Hmm. Before I ask you the big question, what made you come back to our store every day? Yeah, I think it was because I enjoyed uh, the coffee, and then I, you know, made friends with people who worked there. I enjoy the people working there, and then it was also because of my work back then. I was um, I worked as a photographer, and I was driving around in Oslo, working from. I was doing real estate photography, so it was just like I was always around, yeah. so I could always stop by. It was like my little office. I could yeah. get a coffee, chat with some nice people, send out an email. You know, it's just uh, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of your. Uh Semi office, semi home when you were yeah. away from home. Yeah. 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 I would say. I think a lot of people use not only our coffee shop, but a lot of coffee shops like that. It's kind of a, I do it too when I'm in Colombia. Yeah. I have my favorite spot that I go to. And I can sit there like two hours to do emails and work. And I drink probably five, six, seven cups of coffee. Yeah. And I also know the people there now, of course. But um, 
Um, but you you didn't have Wi-Fi, and that was no. uh, I think you kept a lot of. Uh, <laughs> we still don't. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you know a secret I code. I think I can get the... You can hack it? Yeah. <laughs> I can hack it. <laughs> yeah, but the the reason we don't have Wi-Fi is... is uh, uh, I mean, most people in Norway don't need it now. They can just yeah. use their phone. Yeah. But um, um, we didn't want to be an office for people. Yeah, like, I um, Sometimes when they go to coffee shops, you just see 20 people with their laptop and no interaction between customer and the people behind the bar or mm. with other customers. So I think we've managed to keep it quite social mm. and uh, not digital in our coffee shop yeah and i do uh, we have one customer coming in every day he drinks an espresso he plays a couple of games of chess on his cell phone yeah i know him and just wants to sit there and ha- have some peace and quiet yeah and uh i i love that too yeah know? yeah but um yeah i think that's ha- offering wi-fi is kind of a if you don't do it, it's okay. I think it was more like t- 10 years ago, it was more expected. Yeah. And if you didn't have Wi-Fi, it, because then people couldn't really use their phones in that way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So let's talk about, um, we can start maybe with the worst experience you've had okay. in our coffee shop. <laughs> the worst. Yeah. I think I remember which one it is, maybe. Uh, maybe it involves some milk. I don't think that was the worst. Oh, really? No, no, no. <laughs> but it was uh, definitely one of the most unusual. Okay, so let's let's uh, listen to the worst then. Uh, I don't know if I, I haven't really thought about it. I don't really have any bad experiences. I think. Okay. So. But the 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 incident you're talking about <laughs> is, is uh, when it was I was uh, uh, I was it was just back in two thousand and nine, and I was getting married and. My friend had arranged for uh, my bachelor party. It started in your store. Yeah. So, and it, uh, I was already, I was actually hung over from the day before because I was out with some friends. So I didn't feel too good when I came. And uh, so, but I had to do like, it was a cupping. We did cups some coffees, this and that. And then at the end, there was like, there was two cups of cappuccino on the counter that I had to cup. <laughs> And I saw it straight away because one of them looked, the, the milk just looked very strange. Yeah. And I knew my friend, he just had a baby. That was the guy that was doing that. He was the, um, the best man. Yeah. So uh, it was basically a breast milk cappuccino. Nice. Yeah. How was it? It, it was very thin, <laughs> the milk. It didn't steam well, I think. Okay. No, but but it, I don't think it, it didn't taste terrible. No. I mean, but a very like a thin, watery consistency, as, as I remember it. I mean, you've been drinking plenty of breast milk as a kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the funny thing, I had it, and then I remember Tim Varney also had it. <laughs> had a taste. <laughs> he couldn't uh, help himself. I stayed away because yeah. I also was very hungover that day, I remember. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I yeah. just was watching and thinking like, oh my God. Yeah, it was a little rough. But it's, yeah, it's, I don't think it, it wasn't, but it was more interesting than terrible yeah yeah and we've been talking about a couple of memorable experiences like the Aricha, the natural from yeah. ethiopia yeah and then the geisha we cupped uh, yeah where we had like an evening cupping with different roasters yeah any other like memorable experiences 
There are a few. I think one of the most memorable things it didn't actually happen in your store, but that was when we went to Kenya. Together. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. That was a fantastic trip. I have forgotten about that. That was in 2000. I think it was in 2010. Okay, I think it was with Alex and from Solbagen Hansen and yeah. Tim Barney. Oh yeah, and we went there to present. Was it Tekangu? We went to show them there was the you uh, donated money to for their new uh, drying tables. Drying oh tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went to Karagoto. Yeah, uh, yeah, 2010 or 11, I don't remember, but we donated the uh, uh, new metal drying beds. Yeah, yeah. We had like a, we used to do every anniversary, uh, so every year, last day of June or around then, we would uh, and we did it this year as well, but. Um, we would uh, be open as normal in the coffee shop, and then uh, all the sales would go to a project. So yeah. I think that maybe was the first one, and we built uh, eight big metal drying tables yeah. at Karagoto, basically because we love that coffee, and we're still buying it, uh, but they had serious issues with drying capacity. Mm. So that meant they were producing a lot more coffee than they could dry, mm. um, and that creates problems with moldy coffee yeah. and stuff like that. So. That was the first one, and actually this year we are doing uh, the same. I just had a meeting today uh, with Negusia, the farmer of Tatmara in Ethiopia. Yeah. And he does not have a wet mill at his farm, so he can only produce naturals. Mm. And in this air- area, which is Bonga in Kafa in Ethiopia, uh, it can rain a lot. He has very high altitude. So uh, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, uh, in the harvest, it was just raining every day. So he drying cherries was yeah, impossible yeah and his coffee became quite woody and not so good uh, we still bought it uh, for a low price and sold it very cheap mm. uh, because we wanted to support him um, it was still much higher than the market price and what he would get for that coffee but um, um and then uh, this year the coffee is fantastic but he had a good season and uh, but in order to prevent this kind of uh, uh, Risk, I guess. Yeah, we are sponsoring him with uh, at least five thousand dollars that we collected on our anniversary to build a small wet mill. So mm. that means he can wash a little bit of coffee, and drying washed coffee is much easier. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, the the amazing thing going to Kenya was to see. You know, we we went to this um, cooperative. We saw all these like small farmers just came with their bags on their shoulder or yeah. on on their bike, yeah. delivering it all in to get. Uh, you know, processed at the mill. Yeah. So, seeing because uh, there's no, f- there's no like where where we were. There was no like farms. It was just people yeah. having bushes in yeah. their on their property yeah. and picking it. I remember we went to one of the kind of st- star farmers at Caragoto, uh, mm. uh, Elmud. Um, I remember because I have a photo with you and him, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and um, he's like a typical farm. Uh, or farmer delivering coffee to to Karagoto, and I think he has like two or three hundred coffee trees yeah, in total, okay. yeah. and uh, maybe a hectare of land mm. where he has a house. There's some grass for the cows, some corn that he eats, and it grows, and then some coffee trees. Just rem- remember it as being incredibly lush yeah. and like, yeah, green, yeah, super green, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good trip, actually. And uh, I think one of the challenges in Kenya is that because of this structure where a lot of people have very, very tiny plots of land, uh, 
mm. it's really difficult to have like a long-term relationship with one farmer. So yeah. you kind of need to buy from cooperative or washing stations where you know hundreds of farmers are delivering coffee. Yeah, and you're more relying on this kind of old-school system where there's organizations coming in to train the farmers and. There's a lot of uh, issues in Kenya, but still they produce some of the best coffees in the world. I have to say that it's my favorite country for coffees, yeah. actually. I don't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, I could can't imagine not having Kenyan coffee. No, it's, I think it's amazing. The, the acidity and the fruitiness, yeah. it's just like, you don't get that anywhere no. else. And the funny thing about that is a lot of times people who maybe come to our store for the first time, they order coffee, but they don't want acidic coffees. And then sometimes we serve them Kenyan coffee, which is very intense in yeah. acidity. Yeah. But because it's so full of fruit flavor, it's an enjoyable acidity. Mm. And then the customers really like it. Yeah. Uh, so I think you know a lot of people are afraid of acidity without actually knowing what it does to flavor. Yeah, I think it's it's a different when you because you have the Kenya sometimes as espresso as well. Yeah, and it's a tough coffee to shoot uh, as espresso because you have a very small window. If you don't hit that window where you get the the sweetness, yeah, it just got it's just super sour. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So it's a little uh, it's a tough coffee to work with in, especially with espresso. I think it's harder yeah. to get it right with espresso. Yeah, especially if it's light roast. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the trick is normally to. Um, try to extract as much as possible. More water, less coffee, longer time, and also not drink the espresso when it's hot. Mm. If you let it cool down, yeah, it's much better. Mm. Which reminds me, you're actually one of the reasons why we started serving espresso in bigger cups. Remember that? No. Because <laughs> we were serving it in these small, tiny little espresso cups. That was the norm before. Ah. And then you always asked for espresso in a cappuccino cup. Yeah. Because it tastes better. Yeah. And uh, one day, you know, I, when I was testing espresso, I was always drinking it from big cups myself. Yeah. And one day I was just thinking, like, why don't we just serve it in bigger cups? Like, why why do we need to serve it in espresso cups? It stays hot forever. Uh, you get lots of crema in the first sips. Uh, it's just, it doesn't make sense at all. No, but I think crema was a big thing before. That yeah, was yeah. like uh, in, in <laughs> back in the days. That was like everybody was like so focused on the crema. Yeah, and still are a little bit. Not in Norway, maybe, but uh, I don't, in many countries. I don't think about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think about the flavor. Um, but we'd st- still get some old school espresso people coming in, and they want crema. They want darker roasts. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to let them know that there's other coffee shops around yeah, where you can get you that. can get that yeah plenty of places yeah, yeah. we did uh, one year I'm not sure if you tasted that but we did one anniversary we had like a espresso like we used to roast and brew it in 2007 versus I don't remember which year it was. I remember that a lot yeah that was also actually one of the kind of seminal moments where that because then you see this like we talked about that's when you, of course there was a different because not you did it it was a rose profile yeah. from 10 years ago, whatever. Yeah. But I guess the difference was huge. Yeah. But I guess the coffee is probably even more. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bigger difference. If, of course, you didn't have the <laughs> 10 year old coffee. No, but I actually, um, because I, I, we used to blend back when we started. Yeah. Uh, and I remember um, we used like a Brazilian coffee that was like slightly woody. So that means it was a little bit old. 
that was in the beginning, just because I couldn't access anything else. Mm. So I remember I was saving some Brazilian coffee for that uh, event to have that kind of old school flavor yeah. versus the new yeah. new school. And um, I thought, uh, you know, I got the idea actually in Sweden, uh, mm. Da Matteo in Gothenburg. Yeah. I think they're still serving it. Like they have two different kinds of espresso, the old school and the new school. Wow. And also my friend Isabella, who has coffee lab in Sao Paulo in yeah. Brazil, she has this kind of 10 steps to learn about coffee. Mm. So as a customer, you can buy this kind of card. It costs a certain amount of money. And then there's like 10 steps to learn about coffee. And one of the steps is like tasting filter coffee and espresso coffee. Another one is tasting espresso in a big cup and a small cup. So it was very much inspired by that kind of process, uh, which is a lot of fun because she, believe it or not, but Brazil used to be very uh, kind of behind when it came to coffee mm. cons consumption. So she had to educate her customers a lot. Um, now it's a different thing. Um, but I, 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 like when we started, we also had to do that. Like we had to explain all the time. Like, why do you serve coffee like this? Why do you blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I think there was more questions before. I remember a funny question. I don't think, I maybe, I don't think if I was working there, but I, I remember I was in the bar and there was this woman coming up and she's looked at your menu and she was like, uh, I want this one maybe. And she was like, but it was like, she was like looking at the description and he said chocolate. Yeah. She was like, is it chocolate in it? And she... The person was like, no, no, it's the, we're just describing the flavors. But she just didn't get it. She no. thought it was chocolate in it. So she just turned around and left. <laughs> and it's it's funny. I think it's, uh, uh, but you get that in, you know, if you, if you go to a wine bar now, they can explain to you, you know, the yeah. flavors of the wine. I think it was just when you did it, it just wasn't that many people who did it in yeah. a coffee bar. Yeah, we weren't really selling coffee on the basis of flavor before. <laughs> it was more like uh, when I started selling coffee at Stocklets in 1998, you know, people were looking at how oily the beans were mm. and, you know, they mm. were smelling the coffee. They, yeah. they weren't really focused on flavor. It was just if it was fresh or oily or, yeah. you know, it was but very I, strange. I think it's, it's funny because, you know, I've, I've, I've been a customer at your store for so long and I think it's actually... Uh, you have kind of uh, influenced my my taste a lot as well. Um, I'm not a big fan of natural coffees. No, and I was before. Yeah, I started going. It was, it kind of. I don't know. I think it was very cool in the beginning. You get all these crazy natural coffees. Yeah. But then after a while, when you started really digging into it, I, I always like more enjoyed like the clean tastes and the, the small nuances and all this stuff. Um, and also, uh, I think maybe that's, uh, that's not an influence, but I, I never liked like Indian. What's it called? Um, uh, Monsoon Malabar? Uh, no, no, no. The, uh, yeah, like, for example, Indian coffees. Yeah. You've, you've, uh, you've never had that, I think. Maybe one time. We had one. In the once. first year we had from... Uh, Balanur Estates, I think. One, yeah, one. I always hated Indian <laughs> coffee. I always felt it's uh, um, so woody, like this. Uh, yeah, it can be. It can also be quite nice, yeah, especially I, in milk drinks. I, I never had it. I never tried one that I felt was super nice. But no, I think you know back then the one we had was 
probably a little bit woody, I have to say. Um, you know, the reference of what was fresh and not was very different back yeah, then. Yeah. So, um, but I just to be uh, fair to the Indian oh, yeah, coffee yeah, community, <laughs> I have tasted some spectacular Indian yeah, coffees, yeah. and uh, they they definitely have potential. And there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff happening there as well. There's a big coffee community there now. Uh, farmers are planting different varieties. They do have access to other varieties than in the Americas. Um, so there's some interesting stuff there. Mm. But uh, in general, I would say like um, if you look 10 years back, uh, which is when we did have or we, almost 15 years back, yeah. um, the accessibility was small and um, the cultivars that we were able to buy was, you know, the ones that were not tasting yeah. the best. But it's interesting. You also have, um, you've had this uh, coffee from Mexico. Yeah. And that's uh, something I've, I haven't tried much coffee from Mexico. That's also like, but you bought that for um, um, for Noma. Noma. Yeah, yeah, for Noma, because the restaurant Noma. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's one of the world's best restaurants. Uh, last year was the world's best at the top mm. fifty list, and uh, it's a huge influence around the world. But they had a pop up in Tulum in Mexico and uh, asked me to do the coffee because we, we they serve our coffee normally. And uh, I didn't want to export, I didn't want to import coffee from South America to Norway and then send it back to South America. Yeah. <laughs> Mexico is in North America, by the way. But um, 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 so I contacted a few people in Mexico, uh, baristas mainly, and yeah. they kind of pointed me into the different directions. And I ended up buying some coffees from Jesus Salazar in Chiapas. He's not a coffee producer, but he works closely with indigenous coffee producers there. Mm. And they have some spectacular coffees. So um, I think the we're not buying it this year because we've had <laughs> a lot of challenges with logistics and um, so we're kind of taking a little break from that project at the moment. Yeah, but it's cool to try something from a new region because a, a lot of times we've tasted all these coffees coming from the same uh, countries or areas at least. Yeah. Um, and Mexico was the first time for me. And also it, um, there's a long time since you had anything from Rwanda, I think. But I Did think we ever have it? I think you had it. Maybe once? Yeah. But that is also, I've tasted Rwanda coffins from other people and it has like this, a little bit like Kenya. It has like, yeah. the times I've tried it, I feel it had this like distinct flavor profile, Yeah, which is quite interesting. I've, I've, it can be really fruity, but normally it's a little bit more kind of vegetal without being negative than the Kenyan coffees. Mm. And they have some different varieties there. I think the reason why I don't buy a coffee there is mainly because I don't have time, you know? Um, I personally prefer to buy coffees where I know the farmers or have been there. Yeah. And uh, I just don't have time to travel to more origins. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and um, at the moment, I'm trying to kind of establish a better relationship with the farmers in Ethiopia that we're buying from. But that's been pretty rough lately because of COVID and everything. Yeah. It, we'd kind of just started buying from them and then COVID happened. And then there were some political kind of uh, issues in Ethiopia that made it a little bit more difficult to travel. So we're trying to focus more on the places we are already buying. And uh, that's kind of been our philosophy for a long time. Like instead of trying to travel around to cherry pick coffees, I prefer to work closely with 
few producers, make them produce fantastic coffees and also help them get seeds so they can diversify the flavors of the coffees. Yeah, you've had a lot of long relationships. Yeah. Yeah. All the way back to 2009 is the first one we started buying direct. Yeah. So, um, and now, like, for instance, in Finca Tamala, I think he has close to 20 different varieties on the farm. Mm. And not all of them are so interesting, but uh, there's at least, like, five really distinct different flavor profiles. Yeah. So in the future, we'll get more of those coffees, which is, you know, a lot of fun, I think. Like geishas and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> is it SL28 there as well? He has some yeah. SL28, but uh, f- weirdly, it's not the best coffee. Um, <laughs> his Bourbon is much better, yeah. I think. Um, it's the same with the Caballeros in Honduras. Their SL28 is, uh, this area was pretty good, but it's not fantastic. Mm. Whereas at uh, Nascimento, which is, you know, three hour drive north from the Caballeros in the same country, the SL28 tastes really, really good. Yeah. So uh, it's a matter of climate and all these kind of things. Uh, is there anything that has stayed the same in our coffee shop? Because we talked about a lot of changes. I think it's the aesthetic is very consistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is the bar. Yeah. The shelving. Yeah. The placement of the. Uh, yeah. It, a lot. There's some minor details that have changed. Yeah. But in general, it's pretty much. A lot like the day it opened. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, uh, our bar, bar manager, Stephanie, she has been there, I think, 11 years now. Yeah. So almost from the beginning. And uh, she's doing a fantastic job, I think. Yeah. And it's a, it's a business where you have a lot of people, you know, coming in and out because there's, uh, I guess it's just um, the nature of the coffee business. Yeah. And it's rare to have people working for so long. Yeah. Yeah. We do have a few still, like Ben, but he's more working with yeah. wholesale now. Marit, yeah. she's the team leader at, at the roastery. Stephanie, they've all been uh, with us for a long, yeah. long time. And I think that helps with quality and it's uh, you know experience and it's, yeah. a, it's a good thing. I think the best the best part of that is that uh, like right after COVID, we had to hire a lot of new people because during COVID, uh, some people left and we didn't really have to hire more. Uh, but the most important part of having people for a long time is that they can bring uh, the kind of work culture to the next generation. And um, that's, you know, been huge for us because we don't have to teach that when it's so incorporated into the company. So um, thankfully to Steph and uh, Marit and uh, Ben that, you know, the, I don't have to go and <laughs> kind of tell people what to do all the time because it's just part of our work culture. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's really something. Um, how has the coffee scene changed in Oslo? Do you think for the last fifteen years? I think it's changed a lot. It, in the beginning, it was very small. Like in two thousand five, two thousand six, when I started out yeah. getting interested in coffee, it was basically the people working yeah. in coffee yeah. that was interested in it, and there was a few other people. Um, and then it kind of grew a lot, and I think it was a. At one point, it was quite. It was a. I think it was a bigger scene than it is now. Maybe as it was like a. Um, it was like a nerdy scene for yeah. a while, like a super nerdy scene. Yeah, that's true. But like it was bigger. Five years ago, maybe. 
something like that. It mm. was like a, it was more people interested, uh, but now it just seems like it's more you know democratic. Like there's a lot of people have understood and realized the quality and, and it's interesting with coffee. Yeah, but it's more just normal people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, not nerds. It's just I agree. Yeah, like uh, when we started, uh, you had to be like. I mean, we we don't we're not located in the high street, so you have to really know about us to to go there. Yeah. <laughs> but today it's more mainstream. I think good quality coffee in Norway has become more mainstream. Yeah. Um, and one thing that you can notice um, is if you go to restaurants, a lot of good restaurants have good coffee now, whereas before that was never. You no. get like yeah terrible stuff. Yeah. Capsule coffees or you know just like. Uh, the easy way out, I yeah, guess. Yeah. yeah. So that's fun. But um, a lot of people look at Oslo as kind of one of the coffee capitals of the world, which outside of Oslo is, you know, a lot of people know that. But in Oslo, people don't no, realize. But I think you, you you get a lot of good coffee. Now it's easier to get a good cup of coffee when you're traveling. Yeah. If you go to Paris or London, or yeah, yeah. there's good coffee everywhere. Yeah. And 10 years ago, it wasn't. No, that, that's true. <laughs> I remember specifically when I opened the store, it was 2007, and then the year after, one of my best friends moved to London. And I went to London, and I visited him for like a week, and there was was like two coffee shops (laughs) that had decent coffee. Fernandez and Wells, and the other one was... I can't remember the name, but yeah, it was down in Soho somewhere. Mm. And then uh, they had the World Championship there in 2010, I think and also the World Aeropress Championship. Um, and then the Penny University, uh, James Hoffman had that yeah. for like a little pop-up store. And then at that time, London just exploded and all of a sudden you had like 300 coffee shops, 500 <laughs> coffee shops, 1,000 coffee shops. It was just crazy. Yeah. And the same thing kind of happened, uh, I think maybe less than 10 years ago with roasters. Because when we opened here in Norway, probably there were maximum 20 roasteries in the whole country mm. and now there's 80 something yeah. and uh, all located in small towns and uh, you know some of them are really small some are bigger and that's happened all over europe i think yeah but that's a good good thing i, I you know it's a uh, i feel sometimes when i go to to cities or even in oslo sometimes you go into a coffee bar and you see that everything looks correct they have the correct grinder they have the correct, correct machine uh, but the coffee doesn't taste good. Sometimes. Sometimes, but yeah. a lot of times you see that they have managed to get the look yeah. of a <laughs> correct coffee bar, but they, they haven't managed to... I, I kind of know what you mean. Uh, like when I'm traveling, I always, you know, I look into the coffee shop to at least check what kind of equipment do they have because it, it kind of tells you if they yeah. take it seriously or not. Yeah. And then sometimes, even if they take the equipment seriously, sometimes, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a disaster. Yeah. But um, still, you know, a lot of times that coffee is much, much better than if you go to just yeah, a random yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. place. And I have been surprised many, many times, like in the weirdest places, you can get spectacular coffee. Yeah. It just takes a person mm. that is that passionate yeah, yeah, and yeah. interested. Yeah. And then you have fantastic coffee. Yeah. I remember once I went to India, this was back in 2001, I think, my first and only trip to India. And we were like a bus full of coffee people 
we were driving in the countryside in uh, in Mysore or something like that, Bangalore or something. Um, and then all of a sudden there was a like a really modern coffee shop in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and of course we stopped by because, you know, some people had to go to the toilet. We wanted to have some coffee. And inside, like we were 30 people in the bus, but there were probably like 40 baristas behind the counter, <laughs> <laughs> all ready to serve us. <laughs> so someone had told them that we were coming. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember, you know, there were only one barista who kind of knew what to do. The other ones were clueless. Mm. So Willie, my old espresso teacher, he immediately stepped behind the counter and started showing them, you know, this is how you grind and blah, blah, oh. blah. And then two of them came to a training we did in uh, was Bangalore in the city um, the week after. And then they had like a mini barista championship. And then the year later, one of those guys came third, I think, in the World Barista Championship, mm. Vikram Kurana. And today he's a very successful guy and, you know, just a random guy from the countryside. Wow. <laughs> All of a sudden is, you know, having his own coffee business and yeah. because of these weird things. So, um, yeah, stuff, yeah stuff happens. I've also had great coffee in like unexpected places, but most of the time, if I drink coffee at places that aren't, I, I don't know from before, yeah. usually get disappointed. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, but I've also, years ago, I was much more, you know, I was, um, I used to be like, I can't drink anything but, you know, good coffee. Now it's like, if I go to, you know, if, I, if I'm invited somewhere and I, they serve coffee, even if it's not good, I drink it. Yeah. Just to be polite. I normally <laughs> say that I had too much at work, so yeah, yeah. then I, I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, do people expect you to... Like, are people nervous when you come visit? Do pe do, do your no, friends know no. that you're a coffee geek? Or? Yeah, they know that I... But, you know, most of my... I'm very lucky. If I travel, a lot of my friends are also coffee yeah. geeks who are interested. And uh, even if, I, you know, I go a lot, you know, back home to my parents. But, you know, he, my my father, he's, he bought a dating. He, uh, yeah. He's subscribing to your... He's a subscriber to the coffee um, program. That's nice to hear. So he, you know, there's this good coffee everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, obviously you like coming to our coffee shop because you're there almost every day. But um, w do you have any other favorite coffee shops? Yes, I do. I, I really like to go to Supreme Postworks yeah. in yeah. Oslo. Uh, I go to Java yeah. in Saktansöven. And I do, uh, I really loved uh, Kopi in Sweden, my yeah. friends, uh, but that's it's close now, but yeah. it's also on the list of yeah. the best places. I remember, I, I was there, I think only twice, but it was a special place. Yeah. Really, really nice. It's a shame they closed down, but you know, yeah, that's yeah. the way of life. They st you can still buy the <laughs> coffee because they, they have a roastery. Yeah, Kopi. Kopi, yeah. yeah. So that, that was the Charles you were mentioning uh, working yeah. at Java yeah. many years ago. They actually were both worked there, I think, before they moved back and opened their own yeah. store. And they opened the same Charles year. Nystrand and Anne Lunel. Yeah. yeah, they opened the same, I think, just a month after I opened. Yeah, I think it was that summer yeah. they started their place. I and they did it for 10 years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So they, oh, yeah. they shut down like five years ago, I think. I didn't really know them back then, but uh, I got to know them after they moved. Yeah. I remember through you, uh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was first time was in uh, the famous uh, when we were in Denmark for the World uh, Barista Championship. Oh yes, it was me and you, and you were there. Tim Varney was there. 
and we I were training Chris Colby. He was yeah. competing, yeah. yeah, with the Aricha, the natural. Yeah, and just uh, that's a funny comment. We did like a rehearsal back here in uh, Oslo before that championship, and then the signature drink of uh, Chris was uh, espresso made on the Aricha natural, mixed with a Aeropress coffee made on the Aricha natural, and a tiny little bit of sugar. And uh, that was kind of the main drink. And then he served like uh, an amuse bouche before that. I think I was, which was I Indian was, coffee. I was there at the at the um, at, at the, the rehearsal. Yeah, yeah, I think I was in the store. So first we made like a little foam of an Indian coffee, which was an amuse bouche mm. to kind of prepare your mouth for something really fruity. So the Indian coffee was quite chocolatey and nutty and robust. And then the judges got this Aricha juice, strawberry juice. And I remember one of the comments were like. The drink didn't taste enough coffee. <laughs> Not enough coconut tip. And it, <laughs> and it, it only contained coffee and yeah. a little bit of sugar. Like, how can that be? You know. So um, that's kind of uh, uh, at the start when we also started roasting much lighter and um, yeah, which kind of tells you that coffee flavor is you know can be so many different things. Yeah, I think now people. Uh, think of coffee flavors as you know it could be i think it could be all these like different things like chocolate and nuts and fruits and all these things but but you know 15 years ago it was like oil and yeah <laughs> it was tar. like coffee, tar and <laughs> leather oil. yeah it was like dark <laughs> and thick and it was like it was just it's just a different world yeah yeah, yeah. it's for sure i mean i still get a lot of when I do tastings with the, you know, for companies or something like that, there's still a lot of people who tell, oh, this doesn't taste like coffee, but I mean, it's coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so of course it tastes like coffee. It's just not the coffee you're used to. Yeah. So I think that's uh, kind of the part of the education that we're doing. Anything else? Like what kind of coffees do you prefer to drink today? Apart from the Kenyans? Like I, I really love the Geisha you have this year. Yeah. Amazing from uh, Marisabella Moises. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I, I told you before that I always felt that the geishas, uh, it, it's it's always good, but this year I thought it was excellent. Yeah, and it's a long time since I had this kind of like wow, yeah, feeling with the geishas. It's definitely more intense. Yeah, um, I don't know why, but uh, you know, last year I think their katuai was spectacular, mm. and uh, this year it's good. But the geisha is spectacular. Yeah. So, you know, every year is a little different from each farm, which makes it very, very fascinating, I think. Yeah, but most mo- the, the coffees I drink most most at home, I guess my favorites are the Kenyans. Yeah. Yeah. That's the top of the top of my list. Yeah. But I, I, I taste, I try every, everything. Yeah. But I go back to the Kenyans again and again. I always feel that you get, you get, um, you get the, like the super concentrated, fruits with this fresh acidity yeah and the balance mm. it's just it's just hard to beat yeah yeah and they're pre- pretty easy to brew as well yeah i think yeah they're so easy to extract you have to grind a little bit coarser yeah. usually yeah. with the kenyas because they uh, extract more yeah yeah what i actually do uh i stopped thinking about extraction as being over and under extracted it's like more or less extracted mm. So what happens when you, if you, let's say you grind like you would grind our Finca Tamana coffee uh, and you put a Kenyan and you grind it like that, yeah. usually it will extract quite a lot. 
so that means it gets stronger. Yeah. So what you can do is to just use a little bit less coffee. Mm. And then you get the same strength yeah, yeah, it's and a, it tastes delicious. Yeah. Uh, even with a very, very high extraction. I just did a training uh, on Friday with our staff and we did an extraction that was almost 26% on a Canon. And, you know, by the textbook, that's over-extracted and bitter and strong. Mm. Yeah, it was very strong. But when we diluted it with water down to the strength we're used to, it tasted, you know, so sweet and intense mm. um, and not bitter at all. So I think, you know, the, the kind of old teachings that we have been thinking about all the time, like over-extracted and stuff, yeah, you can work around it. <laughs> so if you ever brew a Kenyan and it becomes a little bitter and strong, try to just dilute it with a little bit of water yeah. and it can taste fantastic. Mm. I'll try. Yeah, you should. <laughs> cool. Anything else we should talk about before we wrap up? I feel like we'll be covering a lot and of course we could sit there talk for hours. But uh, Yeah, I, no, there's nothing that comes up. I, I remember we were talking about one of the things, uh, the funny things... Um, it was more about the equipment. I, re- I remember so well the clover. Oh, yeah. The clover machine <laughs> that you had in the bar. It was like a strange uh, contraption. Yeah. You can still see them at, uh, like, if you go to Amsterdam Airport, mm. they have a couple of clovers at the Starbucks there. Because Starbucks, yeah, Starbucks bought, bought, bought the it. Company. Yeah. It was, uh, who was that? David Latourelle? No. Yeah. Yeah. He was selling, he uh, was selling it. clover. He was fr- with clover from the beginning. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Clover was pretty much the machine that made uh, a revolution in coffee. Before the Clover, everyone was doing batch brew. And in our store, we were actually doing French press. And then pouring it into a thermos, and it didn't taste good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the Clover came into the market, and they changed the way we brewed and served coffee because all of a sudden you had a machine that could brew coffee to order yeah. in a very short time. Yeah. And uh, we bought two clovers because one always broke. Yeah, I remember. So we had <laughs> one that we were fixing while the other one was working. And that was, you know, it had some plastic parts inside that would break after a certain amount of time. Uh, and then uh, the company was bought by Starbucks and then it was just more and more difficult to get spare parts. Mm. So then we changed the AeroPress. And uh, that's why we serve, we don't have a batch brew in our store, we serve coffee to order um, with the AeroPress. And it all started with the Clover. And it actually also started, I believe at least, it started the kind of pour over revolution. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Clover came and then just a few years later, I went to an SCA exhibition, I think it was in Atlanta or something. And all of a sudden people were doing pour overs like, you could get a cup of coffee freshly yeah. brewed at a coffee fair. You know, before that, you could rarely get a cup of coffee at the coffee fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I guess the, the the thing with the clover is that you could suddenly, if you had five different coffees in your inventory, people could choose, yeah. and you could adjust the the grinds and do it like you know, you can get the the correct. Uh, extraction for this particular yeah. coffee yeah before that it was just like what you have on your batch brew, batch brew today it. so yeah. there was only one option so uh, which yeah. is frustrating sometimes because if they have a coffee that you really dislike it's kind of like yeah okay i don't get coffee today yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which happens all the time great anything else we should uh, talk about 
think we covered uh, a lot we of the fun, lot. fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Any other memorable moments in the coffee shop? There's, uh, I just, uh, there's, there's nothing at the moment kind of coming up, but, uh, but I've, you know, I spent a lot of time in, in your coffee shop Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I met a lot of people, um, people working there, but also, you know, customers that I've met over the years Yeah, that are, it's like, a, it's a, it's nice to have a place that you can come back to. And even though you're just there to get an espresso and then you're running out, you still see the same people, you say hi to them. And after, you know, if you, after years, you kind of sit down, you chat with them, you have interesting conversations and meaningful, you know, it's like, it's, it's strange because it's, it's a meaningful and nice relationship with someone that you don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some people, but you can still yeah, it is get a small good connections and yeah. I actually still, still today, like, of course, in our store, I'm there every Monday doing quality control. And there's a lot of people saying hi through the window. And uh, whenever I'm in the store, I try to talk to all the regulars and also new customers. But I still remember, like, because I used to work at Stockfoots before I opened the store uh, in Lilligrensen. Mm. And, uh, you know, I was barista there every day for like three years before I started running more stores and stuff. And when I go to that coffee shop today, I still meet customers who were there when I worked there. Yeah. And they still say hi and we have a little chat and uh, that's a special feeling, I yeah. think. It's nice. Yeah, it's a nice community. And I think, you know, Stephanie is a big part of that as well because she she's very good at introducing people. And, you know, we try to say the first name of people who are there every day. And I don't remember half of them, but, you know, <laughs> that's the way it is, <laughs> getting old. <laughs> I remember your name, though. <laughs> Good. I'll let you know if your uh, Alzheimer's is. Uh, <laughs> I think actually, you're like you said, you've probably tried all our coffees and probably some more because. Uh, yeah, I even tried stuff that's not been on the shelves. Yeah. You've tried, you know, test roasts and interesting things. Yeah. And very soon you're going to try some of our own grown coffee. So I invited you I to have a tried, tasting. I uh, have tried because I got a little bit. On our anniversary? Yes. Yeah. But I invited you for a tasting. I couldn't uh, come. When we served it last time and you couldn't come. Yeah. But this time I brought coffees with me in my suitcase. So we do have uh, much more. <laughs> Great. And I'm going to start sorting it now, hand sorting it. And, yeah. Um, probably in October, November, we'll be selling it and having some tastings. So mm. that will be fun. Fantastic. Maybe you'll have to join me on a trip to Colombia one day. I would like to do that, actually. Yeah. That is on the list. It's a deal. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Anders, for joining us. And uh, to all the listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening. I know this was a long, random episode, but uh, there's so much to talk about when you've had a company for 15 years. And when you're talking with the customers who has been there every day for 15 years, there's a lot of memories. So I hope you liked this episode. And uh, hopefully it won't be too long until our next episode, which I really don't know what it's going to be about, but I'll figure something out. So thank you for listening and hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you, Anders, for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>